I'm a big believer that experience teaches. My goal with this show is to have guests to share their experience so that they can tell you what it's like, what they did right and what they did wrong. And I'm gonna share the same. Look, I'm not trying to regurgitate stuff you can find on the internet. I'm gonna tell you how it really is and what it's really like to own your own place. This is the National Restaurant Owners Podcast with your host, Kyle and Sarah. Welcome to the National Restaurant Owners Podcast or welcome back. If you've been here before, this is the number one podcast for the independent restaurant owner in the country. So appreciate you taking some time to check us out. Um, so this this episode's guest, number 83, is it's really cool because I was just looking it up. Um, it was November. Oh my God, I'm looking at my stupid face here on this on his the cover of his uh the cover of his show. Um it was November 28th, 2016. And I was a guest on his show. And I, at the time, I was one of the owners of a restaurant called Pulpatina here in Westchester County, New York. And he had me on. And we spoke about everything in regards to pizza and marketing and you know how at the time we were using social media and Snapchat, actually, to to you know gain some traction for our business. And it really worked at the time. It's really funny to see how this progressed. Um, but anyway, you're probably like, well, who who's the guy? What show? <laughs> It's Bruce Irving. He's the host and former restaurateur pizza man from the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. And if you haven't listened to that, it was really cool for me to be on the show at that time because we were just kind of had just gotten open, been open a couple of years. And his podcast had a lot of great insight, had a lot of great tips on marketing, running your business, and he had great guests on. And I would listen to it all the time. Him and Eric Cacciatore's Restaurant Unstoppable, I would listen to it all the time just to gain insight into the industry because you guys know, and the reason why I do a podcast is it's such a lonely existence sometimes. You have nobody to chop it up with. So these guys, Bruce and Eric, who have now become great friends of mine, were were there for me. I've been on their show. They've been on my show. Um, and it's just really great. So it's a great community of podcasters, great wealth of information. So if you guys haven't checked out the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast, do so immediately after this. Um, tons of great insight and info. And just, you know, this is just an episode of just two former pizza guys who love digital marketing and have podcasts <laughs> uh, chopping it up. So enjoy this is episode 83 with Bruce Irving from the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. As a restaurant owner in 2021, I'm sure you can appreciate the convenience of restaurant technology and beautifully designed websites, but maybe you don't know where to turn. Well, I can tell you this. Look no further. I got your answer right here. Bento Box. Bento Box empowers restaurants to own their presence, profits, and relationships directly through their custom-designed websites. With Bento Box, you'll get a digitally accessible website that conforms to ADA guidelines and has SEO best practices built right in. They also provide e-commerce tools that drive high margin revenue by allowing your restaurant to grow loyalty by selling gift cards, merchandise, and events tickets 24 hours a day. Plus, you'll be able to own your guest relationship, making it easy to send messages, view data, and manage your orders all in one place. How good does that sound? Right? All in one place. Bendobox provides a full-service setup that brings agency-level design online in days at a fraction of the cost. Their best-in-class support team is available seven days a week for personalized support and industry expertise. 
And just because you're a listener of the show, you can receive 50% off your setup fees as well by clicking the link in my bio and entering the code FOU6 in the How Did You Hear About Bento Box section. Again, that's code FOU6, Bento Box. Own your presence, own your profits, own your relationships. You guys know how important I feel vibe is to your restaurant or your bar. It's everything. And just to give you an example, have you ever noticed how the energy of of your restaurant or your bar totally changes when there's something on your TV that's not engaging like sports? I have a solution for you. Atmosphere TV is the first and only TV product of their kind built specifically for use in your restaurant. You may recognize their flagship channel, Chive TV, in addition to 40-plus other amazing high-definition content channels, including Red Bull TV, X Games TV, Beach Bum TV, America's Funniest Home Videos, and much, much more. Built and proven to keep your guests sitting, eating, drinking, and of course, spending more money. The best part is Atmosphere remains 100% free for listeners of this podcast. Just use the code KYLE at checkout to have your setup fee waived and receive your device today. That's atmosphere.tv and use the code KYLE, K-Y-L-E, to receive your free device today. All right, this is the National Restaurant Owners Podcast, and I am your host, Kyle and Sarah. Today, I am joined by Bruce Irving, restaurant marketing guru and the host of the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. If you don't know about it and you're you're in the restaurant business, I I think it's safe to say you're not in the restaurant business, but Smart Pizza Marketing um, is a full-service digital agency built for the now, partnering with clients to help drive their business outcomes with best-in-class modern video production media planning and distribution, as well as influencer marketing, all designed and created specifically to help restaurant owners get more customers. As the host of the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast since 2015, Bruce has interviewed more than 300, holy shit, of the world's most successful restaurant entrepreneurs and marketing experts on a mission to get the answers to questions that restaurant owners need. Does that sound about right? It's great. Sounds fantastic. It actually sounds a little too good, I think. I got to add that. <laughs> I know. You read, you read these bios, you're like, oh, damn, I got to step it up. <laughs> it doesn't right? sound like me. Um, so, I mean, obviously, we were just kind of talking before we got started here, but, you know, you were really one of the inspirations for this show. I mean, I only started about a year ago. You and I connected, what was it, 2015? I think I was on your show. Yeah, it was a while ago. It was one of the first early episodes <laughs> of our podcast we talked so how did, I mean, what was your, I mean, I know why I got started in this, in this little podcast racket, but when, when you started the show, what was, what was your goal? What were you trying to accomplish there? Uh, you know, so I started the podcast, I think I recorded our first episode in 2014, um, but I don't think I published any real content out to the world till 2015. So officially 2015 was the start of our podcast, which is a, is a while ago, but it's not super early. Uh, and the initial thought process for me was I was in the trenches operating. You know, we had two pizzerias going at the time. It was me and my brother-in-law operating and uh, working in the businesses. And, you know, neither one of us had college educations. So we kind of just grew up in the restaurant pizza game. And that's mm-hmm. how we learned. And we got to a, a lot of roadblocks. You know, we we had one really successful business. We opened a second one. It wasn't it was good, but it wasn't as successful as the first. And, you know, our goal in the beginning was to grow and have as many locations as we could. But, you know, we didn't really know what the hell we were doing. Yeah. So for me, the podcast started because I wanted to reach out to people in the pizza industry and 
just have conversations and pick their brains as to what they were doing in their business that was successful, or at least what I've learned is looked successful from the outside looking in um, and that's ask some questions, point. you know, and try to figure out what they're doing that's working and, and then take that information and use it in our business. And it kind of grew from there. Um, so it all started from me being curious and wanting information and realizing that, you know what, if I have a podcast, if I reach out to anybody in our industry and say, Hey, let's have a 30 minute conversation. Like everybody's busy. Like no one's going to be like, you know, what? I don't right. do that. Yeah, if yeah. I have a podcast and I have a platform where I can have them come <laughs> on and talk to them and talk about themselves and ask questions and Counter everybody says up. yes. Yeah. Everybody says yes. You know how it goes. <laughs> Why didn't so you say that? I'd love to talk to you. I know. So that's how <laughs> everybody, it, it, that's how it started for me at least. It's yeah. going from there. So how did you go? I mean, so you were saying like, hey, you know, ABC Pizzeria over there looks like they really got their act together. Maybe they we can chat and see see what's up. Yeah. So it started like, from, yeah. you know, back in 2015, obviously social media has been around for a long time, but yeah. it wasn't. It wasn't as. I don't know. It, it's not the same. It wasn't the same in 2014 and 15 as it is today with Instagram influencers and follower counts. And um, so what I did in the beginning was I reached out to people who would speak at the restaurant association conferences or the pizza expo and see, all right, these are guys who are speakers. Uh, they've been producing articles in the magazines. They got to know what the hell they're talking about. Right. So let me reach out to them first. And that's kind of how I did it in the beginning. And then it's gone into more of like, all right, who do we see doing cool things? Mm -hmm. um, and then we kind of reach out to those people and, and then kind of pick their brain as to what they're doing. But in the beginning it was more, more restaurant magazines, uh, more trade shows, like who are the speakers there? That's kind of how we picked our guests. That's very cool. I mean, like that's, I mean, it makes sense, right? I mean, you want to, you want these people, they're obviously up there for a reason. And back then you're right. Like media, just hearing you the word, say the word magazines was like right. a throwback, you know, <laughs> getting those like totally. all the magazines every week that you look through at the restaurant and so like, I have saying, one oh, here. Hold on a second. So this oh is one shit. Of the this is it's one like of the magazines. This is PMP Time magazine. Oh yeah. So this is this is like a uh, a magazine for our industry, and you know this isn't very. If you look at it, it's not very thick. No, right? yeah. This was three times thicker back in 2015. Oh, that's advertisers, right? It's they all advertising now. Now there's yeah. like six articles, and then 90 percent advertising, <laughs> and that's all the reason they do this is just to sell advertising. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's the best for the pizza industry. That's the go-to. Yeah, this and Pizza Today. There's two magazines for our industry. This and Pizza Today. So I would just kind of flip through those and see who was writing articles, uh, and then I would reach out to them and have them on the podcast. But what I've learned is though, it's not always. Listen, <laughs> the thing I've learned about interviewing all these people is no one really has their shit together, exactly. right? We're all trying. We're all trying to figure this thing out as we go, and even if it looks like they're successful from the outside, there's problems they have and issues they're trying to work out, and some are bigger than yours. Yeah, and I think that's that's one of the things, right? They just keep moving. Just keep moving yeah. forward. Like, I'll figure it out. Exactly. You know, and that's the thing that doesn't stop them. If they have problems, they know that problems are going to arise. And their job is to kind of figure out solutions to those problems as they come up and not necessarily get handicapped by them. Yeah, get stuck on, like, why the busboy is continuing to be late or, like, why this one vendor keeps showing up, you know, with the wrong product. Yes. Like, they get hung up on these things and they don't – they get paralyzed. So yeah. you're, you're working – you're working every day in the pizzerias. And then when are you doing the podcast? I mean, it depends. Like in the beginning, <laughs> I would do it whenever I could, you know, I, I, so now I have a strict schedule. I always record podcasts on Tuesdays. Even if I'm on other people's podcasts like this, I try to see if I can, if they send me their calendar link, I always try to see if it's on a Tuesday. Cause that's when I do all my recordings and all my 
uh, podcast episodes and all the editing on one day, then it's done. Um, but in the beginning, it was like whenever they they could be on the podcast. I remember. Uh, are you familiar with Tony Gimignani? Yeah, yeah. All right, so I, he's I, one of like, I got familiar with him on your show. I think. Okay, so he's one of the mo more well known people in the pizza industry, and I remember my first interview with him was like. He's in California. I'm in Boston. And I emailed him and I'm like, hey, we'd love to have you on the podcast. It was like early on. It was probably in the below 50 episodes. Mm. Uh, and he's like, sure, I can do it Friday. For him, it was for him. It was like 10 a.m. because he's on West Coast. For me, it was 1 p.m. Friday, 1 p.m. I'm like, how the hell am I going to do that? You know, that's like our busiest <laughs> day. So yeah. I literally left the restaurant, ran home, set it up, <laughs> did the interview for like 45 minutes, rushed him off the podcast, and I had to run back to the shop. Hey, thanks um, a lot. Don't you got to get back. Gotta yeah, get back to he work. was going on and on and on and on and on. I'm like, all right, that's good. Thank you so much. I got to go. I got to be back in an hour. Hey, I hate to keep so you, Tony, but I got to go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's exactly how I started at the beginning. So in the beginning, it was like whenever I could. Uh, but now I have a schedule, and I only do it on certain days, even if it yeah. takes me two months to talk to you. So – Oh, two questions I have there. One was your brother-in-law like, what are you doing? We got to like, totally. we gotta, like, <laughs> you're going to go like make a radio. We're pizza guys. What the hell are you doing? Like back then there was like a mysticism around like, is that even a word? But there was like a mystery around podcasts. Like how the hell are you even getting this out? Where do you listen to it? Like, so were they like, go for it, Bruce? Or were they like, hurry up and get back here. You got to make the dough. So <laughs> I'm going to give, I'm going to give you a story I've never really told before. Sweet. I, I, initially went to him and I said, uh, his name was John. I said, John, this was probably 2013. We got to start a podcast. And he's like, what the fuck is a podcast? What? <laughs> no one's going to listen to that. Exactly. And I'm like, dude, we got to start a podcast. Like you, he was 10 years older than me. And he started the business when he was 16. Like he bought the business when he was oh, 16. Lifer. And he was, he had a ton of knowledge. He was really my mentor uh, going through this whole process. Like he taught me everything he knew. And he was really successful. Like had a really million dollar plus business by the time he was 20. Um, and this was 20 years ago. So doing a million dollars in business with no alcohol and no seating in the pizza business oh 20, 25 years ago was like doing $6 million today. I, I was like the price of the day. Yeah. It was like, yeah. no, it was like 500 pizzas a day. Holy crap. Wow. Um, Jesus. Because pizzas back then was like $6 for a large pizza. With, with a two liter. Exactly. So he, I went to him and I, 2013, I'm like, we got to start a podcast. You have a lot of information. I know there's a lot of people out there that you and I could just have conversations. We can record it. You can put it out. There's nothing out there for the pizza industry. And he's like, get out of here. So we recorded a couple and they weren't great. And then life got in the way and, you know, he, him and I, him and his schedule and my schedule didn't coach up. So we couldn't like, we never put any out. I probably right. have those recordings somewhere, but they're not good. You got to yeah. put them out. I'll put, I'll, I'll find them if I have, but they're terrible. Sweet. We had like these little computer microphones, like not even like microphones, but like, you know, the old school computer microphones that look like a pencil coming out. And they just <laughs> yeah. like, you know, those, Yeah, yeah. it was yeah. like two of those. It was just horrible. <laughs> so that's how it started for me. But then after that, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go reach out to people and talk to podcast. So I didn't tell him I was doing the podcast. He found out after I did 25 episodes of the <laughs> podcast, he found it somehow. Uh, and he's like, dude, why didn't you tell me you started the podcast? And I'm like, Oh, I wanted to like do it for a while till I got good at it. And then I was going to tell you about it. He's right. like, oh, that's great. That's fantastic. Um, now he so likes it. Yeah, now he, now he probably listens <laughs> to it, but in the beginning he didn't even know until it got to episode 25 after we did our first initial podcast. So he together. just thought you were ducking out, like ducking out to do whatever. And you were really going out to do a podcast. 
Totally. I was totally where he just thought I was being, he was, I was slacking, but I was really like working behind the scenes. Especially in the pizza industry. There's never been like, it's different than other, in the, other than other, it's different than other restaurants because it's such like a physical activity, like baking the dough. And I yeah. don't know, at least for us, it was like shuffling the dough, the, the mixers around and running the dough trays upstairs. It's so much different. And like, yeah, if you're not, if you're not, if you're doing a podcast, you're definitely not making pizza. And then what the hell do I need you for? Kind of energy. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Probably what he was thinking. That's amazing. So now you're, so now you're, that's out of the, that's out of the cats out of the bag. You're, you're doing this. How do you juggle the two? Is he still supporting? Is he listening? Like how, how, how do you start to get traction here? Yeah, he was totally supportive. Um, you know, we, it started to grow and we still continue to do podcasting and then live shows came out and then we started a show on Blab and he would actually kind of hop in in the comments and kind of join us when we were on the Blab on a live. It was like before Facebook Live came out. Yep. And we would do video podcasts. And then it got to a point where the podcast grew. People would start reaching out to me, asking me, you know, how we were doing marketing and ask for marketing help. And I would start helping people. And then we start, we set up kind of like a side. I set up a side thing where I would ha help people as a company do marketing yeah this is like probably 2017 so four years ago mm -hmm. and then it came to a point where i had to decide i was spending a lot of time in that marketing company i wasn't spending a lot of time in the pizzeria i had to decide what am i going to do am i going to yeah. go all out on this podcasting marketing thing or am i going to quit that because it's becoming too much of a distraction mm. and do the pizza thing and at that time i was in the pizza game for a long time and it, to be honest, I was getting a little burnt out. You know, yeah. my kids were small. Uh, I, I was missing a lot of things with the kids. Like, I, I don't think I, I, I have three daughters. They're, um, oh, you know, they're, they're I 19, 18. About that. I know, right? 19. That's what I need your help with. Yeah, I'll help you out. I have a lot of answers. <laughs> I have a lot of experience. So my oldest daughter's 19, then 18, and then 14-year-old. Wow. So 10 So when I was the first, you know, my daughters, when they were first born, my oldest two daughters, I think I don't even think they knew they had a dad for the first five years of their life. I would leave before they would wake up and I would come home when they were in bed. Yeah. So I did that for 10 years. And as my second daughter was born and she became five or six, I was like, all right, what am I doing here? Am I really going to do this pizza thing for the rest of my life or what else can I do? So three or four years ago, it came to a decision. They came to a decision I had to make. Am I going to go all in on the, on the a marketing company and do podcasting, which I could do from home and gives me more time to kind of be with my kids before they, move out or am I going to go all in on this pizza thing and forget the podcasting because it's becoming a distraction mm. and go all in in the pizza thing. And I chose to do the marketing podcasting thing and I left the pizzeria behind. Wow. So that was only three or four years ago. You said, yeah, three or four years ago after the podcast was going wow. for about two years, two, three years. So that's, yeah, that's a, I mean, God, just working in the restaurant that much and doing what I know of, of what it takes for me to put this podcast on is like, it's that's a ton of work, man. And plus the the I don't know how many episodes you were doing a week, but it felt like it was every other day that I was like, because I, I would be at Pulpatina and I would like have an issue because like you said, the Internet wasn't it, social media wasn't what it right. is now. And I would be like, how the heck do you you know, what is what should we be using these business pages or it'll be something like that was just coming. It was like changing every day. Yeah, and totally. you, you would always have like a topic on I'm like, uh, and they were short, too. That's why I like they were like. This is what you do. Go here, do this, do that. I'm like, ah, oh, boom, perfect. Yeah, that was a, it. Was a ton of work in the beginning. You know, I would do more episodes than I do now. I was doing like, you know, I was reading books and doing book review podcasts, like ten minute book review podcast, 
10 minute short video uh, podcast because people would ask me about like, all right, how do I set up a Facebook page or mm-hmm. how do I set up the pixel on my website or how do I get started on Instagram? But then I would also interview people. Yeah. Uh, now I cut it back to, I just do one episode. I just do one episode a week now in that's kind of all I do. Although we have a different, another podcast that we do, which is the local business podcast, which yep. we do an episode a week of, which I talk to people kind of outside the restaurant industry uh, about Facebook marketing or video marketing or Google ads or Google my business and bring on yeah. experts who are uh, expert subject matters on those topics and then ask them questions about that on that platform over there. For your for your for your local area or just local business, meaning like any local business. Yeah, like that. how a local how could any local business? So if okay, you have a brick and mortar gotcha. business, how yeah, could yeah, you yeah. how should you be using Instagram? Right. You know, I wanted to reach out to more people than just pizza folks. Yeah. So that's right. kind of why we started that one. We started that one last year, I think. But the pizza niche has grown. I mean, like it, your timing, I feel like right when we had opened up Pulpitino, we were like one of the first, you know, when I was growing up, there were very few like pizza restaurants. There were like pizzerias yeah. that had like the little next door that was like basically the same menu, but just had like the red glasses, <laughs> you know, it was like a little waiter yeah. with a little outfit. Um, but like pizza restaurants weren't really a thing. And we were kind of getting like shit on for being like, yo, you don't serve slices. You don't have yeah. Bud Light. You don't have this, any of that stuff. And then like, here comes this podcast that was strictly about pizza. And it just seemed like this whole pizza wave was coming. Do you think that's like was part of it? I mean, that's what it felt like to me. I, I mean, I think I hit it at the right time, right? I got lucky. Yeah. I saw an opportunity in the space of podcasting as a form of content that nobody else was doing. I mean, now there's 37 different pizza podcasts. Uh, but when yeah. I started, there wasn't any. I mean, really? PMQ had a podcast, but it wasn't like consistent. And it wasn't necessarily what we know now as a podcast. It was just audio that they put on their website. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, all right. And it was, um, it's always very like those kind of like the ones that are backed by magazines and stuff are always because they have to be so careful. They're, they're so just, boring. Yeah, so boring. I'll say it for you. They're effing boring. <laughs> like they're so boring. Well, you need the real stuff because you've got if you're somebody like your brother-in-law working at a pizza place, and let's say you put the podcast on, you want to hear some bullshit that like you know these are the cleaning products you should get because they're the best, or like this bullshit like like it feels like a canned like scripted show. I could not. I, can't, I still can't stand those shows. I don't know why people listen to them. So I, I, I think- always appreciate the authenticity of your show. Yeah, you know what it is? I think like you doing a restaurant podcast, you have worked in restaurants. So you know the lingo. You know what the owners are going through. You could relate to them and they understand that and they see that. Mm-hmm. If you're a if you're an advertiser or have a company or are a you know a um a news organization that has never worked in the restaurant business, but you produce content for the restaurant business, you're not gonna have the same perspective as that owner who's listening. Yeah. So I think I hit it at the right time where people listen to my podcast who are in the pizza industry and knew I was an owner, by the way, in questions I asked yeah. and how I talked to these people. So that was a relatable factor for me. Yeah, that I mean, that definitely rang true for me. All right. So we got the podcast figured out. Now you're rock and roll. Congratulations on that. I know it's 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 been a ton of work and it's um, you know, it's great to see see it where it is now. And I see you all over the place. So that's awesome. Thank you. Um so let's talk about restaurants in general. What are you guys seeing up there in Boston? What are you hearing from other people? Um, just sort of like a, you know, update on the market and, and kind of what you're hearing. I want to see if it's similar to what we're hearing and seeing here in New York. You know, I talk to a lot of people from all over the country. The number one thing that people ask me, and I have zero information to help them on, is how to hire people, how to find people, how to grow oh, the team, sure. how to yeah. build out that team. Like everybody I know 
whether that be through the podcast or in real life, who owns a restaurant or a pizzeria is just struggling with that. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if there is a solution. And if there is, I don't know what it is. I, I try to ask every single person who comes on the podcast how they deal with that and what their solutions are. And I think, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I think we're all just trying to figure it out. Yeah, you know, I right. think we're all just trying to get through this and figure it out. Uh, so that's definitely a number one problem. What I see as a solution to that is some of these people are doing less items yeah. in less hours in less days, but having the same profit because at the end of the day, they have less expenses. So yeah, you, you're, I'm only open five days where I used to be open seven and I used to do lunches, but I have to really look at the numbers on my books and say, you know what? For lunches, even though we were doing business, the profit margin on my lunch wasn't as great as the profit margin on my dinner. And is it worth it for me to struggle all week and to put my employees through extra work uh, in order just to open up for lunch, even though I'm not making that much money? And a lot of people have made the decision to be like, you know what? I'm closing on Mondays. I'm closing for lunch. We open at five. We close at 10. And that's just how we're doing it. Whereas yeah. two or three years ago, they wouldn't have had the balls to do that. They would have been um, like, you know what? We're just going to struggle through it. But now yeah. they're like, you know what? We have no choice. We're doing it. Yeah. Uh, it's like the, you know, they were just worried about the, the cash flow. Well, if I close for lunch, you know, we do a thousand for lunch. That's, you know, $6,000 a week. What are we going to do if we don't make that $6,000 a week? They're thinking too much on, on that side, I think. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, if I don't open for lunch, my customers are going to go to the place down the street and I'm going to lose them forever. Yeah. Yeah, no, like I don't want. Yeah, I don't want to see them getting. I don't want to see you know this couple over there having their lunch. They come in every week and get their you know small right. pot and a bottle of Pinot Grigio, but they're not coming in enough. That's what they right. never connect with. It's like, yeah, that's and a great if you point. Have a, and if you have a business that's unique, that's the other thing we're trying to talk about a lot on the podcast is like be unique. If you have a business that's unique, then they will come to you whenever yeah. you're open. We've done a lot of episodes the last, I'd say the last six months. We've done more episodes than I ever have before about these pizzerias and restaurants who are opening and having people kind of pre-order for the weekend on Wednesday, like they open up the online order, they sell pizza. They're only selling so many pizzas and you have to order Wednesday in order to get your pizza on Saturday or else you won't get any pizza that weekend. Well, so which is crazy. A way to control staff and a way to control like product, I guess. Exactly. So they know how much staff they need. They know how many pizzas they're going to sell. They know how much revenue is going to come in and they kind of know their profit and loss before they even open for the weekend. And it's, yeah, it's been an interesting model to see. And I don't know if it's going to be able to last for the future uh, or if it's just a coronavirus thing, but we'll see what happens. And if see, that's the model, but I've, I've talked to more people in the last six months of, that have that model than I ever have in the past. Strictly pizza. Or you're seeing it across all, all different types of restaurants, more, Pizza and more businesses like pizza that have, you know, a couple items that they yeah. sell that can be uh, leveraged that way. I, I don't think it's going to be for those dine-in establishments. But if you think about it, like those popular restaurants to, that are dine-in have always kind of worked that way, right? Like they have 200 yeah. covers on a Friday night. You have to make a reservation way ahead of time in order to get one of those covers or you're not going to get in. Yeah, and they're saying, you know, I need this many, this much tuna. I need this much, you know, whatever chicken, the filet mignon. Right. I need so yeah, they're they're yeah to an extent they're guessing. I guess it's better to know. It's like selling tickets, right? Exactly. Like, you know, yeah, like you have a conference and you have five hundred tickets available. You can't sell the five hundred tickets the day of the conference. You'll <laughs> you'll be screwed. You got to sell them ahead of time and know how many people are coming, how many tickets you have sold, and you know what the what the profit is. You know, and you go 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 all through that before the day of. I think more yeah. people are doing that. Have you heard people talking? I'm sure you have. Um, or what have you heard people 
been saying about like the minimum wage increase and how they're going to handle that in terms of whether it's less menu items, higher prices, et cetera, et cetera. What are some thoughts you've, you've, or what are some things you've heard about that? I mean, listen, people love to complain. They, they complain, you know, people love to complain about everything. But the good news is, like, my daughter plays softball, and yesterday was 98 degrees, and yeah. every kid on our team was playing, and, and they were complaining about how the fact it was 98 degrees. And I'm like, not the band. It was actually the temperature outside. <laughs> That'd and be so I much said, you cooler know if they were there. I know, right? If they were in the audience. I said to girls, listen, the good news is the other team is playing in the same temperature you are, right? They don't yeah. have – they're not playing their dugout is in 72 degrees and ours is 98. Same thing with the restaurant owners, right? Like yeah. if you're in New York or Boston and the minimum wage is $15 an hour, guess what? Every business yeah, yeah. around you has to pay $15 an hour unless you're cheating and yeah. paying under the table. And with point of sale systems and the systems yeah. that IRS has in place now, it's so hard to do that. So possible. Yeah. Your deal, everybody plays in the same living field. And if people want to pay, want minimum wage to be $15 an hour, then guess what? Everything that that person buys is going to cost more than it does right now. And that's just how it's going to have to be. I know. I don't think there's any way to, you know, I was out um, on the East end of Long Island last week and there was, you know, this place, it's like, a, it's called, it's called the bakery cafe, but it's really, it is a bakery, but it has like a restaurant and it's very kind of like a bougie place in West Hampton. And they even changed to like these big, like giant, like iPad looking things where people go up and order them. But I'm thinking yeah. like, is this, because you can't find staff because you're not really saving that much. I mean, are they saving that much money? I don't think that's going to save your business. I think you have to look at your business differently and constantly change things up. And, you know, unfortunately, if you can use technology to your advantage where you, it depends on what kind of business you're in, right? If you're yeah. a sit down restaurant, you, you don't want to leverage technology because if you're a sit down restaurant, people come into you for an experience. They don't come into you just to eat, but if you're yeah. a, a fast so casual place, you know, if you're a fast casual place or a, a delivery place, then you know what? Leverage technology because people are just coming to you for the commodity of the thing that you sell. And yeah. Not necessarily as much about the experience. Right. Um, so if you're in a quick service or delivery, yeah, leverage technology to kind of eliminate uh, as many, you know, the thing for us was answering the phone, right? Like yeah. we went, we had online ordering in our pizzeria in the year 2000. Which wow. Was 21 years ago, we had yeah. online ordering. It was That's super so clunky crazy. and no one knew how to use it. And every time someone placed an order, they would literally call us after they placed the order to make sure that the order <laughs> went through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, that was like the original Grubhub too. Remember when Grubhub used to call you? The beginning yeah. Grubhub order, yeah. You yeah, exactly. The computer and go look at your email or whatever, yeah. But we realized that the internet was the place to be and people, we thought like, listen, our phones were bringing off the hook. And it was stressing us out because no matter if you have, you could have seven people answering the phone, but the phone's just ringing oh, off God. the hook while you're working is just super stressful. Even if oh, it's managed God. properly and people are there, it's just like stressful. So we were like, you know what? If this online ordering thing is going to be the future. If we could leverage that and teach people how to use it, we could literally have less phone calls coming in, which would alleviate stress from people having oh, to answer God, it yeah. and having to hear it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that's what people need to do now, right? Figure out a way to leverage technology if your business allows you to do that to alleviate stress from the the few employees that you have now. Yeah, no, I, I think that's smart. And I think it's, you know, like you said, like how you said, providing experience, because I think so many people go out to restaurants, not just because they're hungry, but that's a whole whole different topic. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I think there's going to be some stuff, whether it's the QR codes, you know, the online ordering, the tickets, I think it's all got to be considered. I mean, it's, you know, the restaurant owners are, survivalists you know i think that's yeah. sort of been proven here if it hasn't you know got some casualties here but by and large 
popped out the other side and are like, let's go, you know, let's do this again. And then you're hit with the wages. Then you're hit with the labor shortage. Then now they're taking away the cocktails to go and all this stuff. But right. you know what? They're still there. They're still open. I think that kind of mentality is what kind of keeps, keeps this industry running. And, and that's what I love about it so much. And I always say, look at like, you know, if you are going into the restaurant business, it's not an easy business. Mm. Uh, but I tell my kids, cause they're grad, they graduated high school. And I said, all right, so the coronavirus happened, right? Look at, what was affected the most career wise by the coronavirus and steer clear of those. Yeah. Right. Like if the, uh -huh. if your business was completely, if you're going into a career that was completely shut down by the coronavirus, it's probably not a career you want to get into if you're just starting your journey into the job force, because you know, who knows if this is ever going to happen again. Yeah. And if you're Same new to thing. it, you're going to be cut first. Exactly. If you're <laughs> going into it and like it happens again and you're you've only been into it a year, bye-bye. You have no yeah. job for a year again. <laughs> exactly. Same thing with the restaurant industry. If you are new or getting into the restaurant or recovering from what happened in 2020 and you're looking ahead, like look at the industries in the restaurant space that weren't affected as much and try to figure out why they weren't affected as much and how you could t incorporate some of that into your current business. Smart. Yeah, I, mean, I got the double whammy. It was restaurants and real estate. So it was like brutal right. year but my wife's um, a real estate agent so i she knows all about that oh yeah yeah it was yeah. rough man um so let's talk about uh everybody's other favorite topic right now ghost kitchens <laughs> i mean can you go a day without hearing about these things no. um i'm <laughs> uh no i can't uh it's um i don't know man i'm 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 you know we, restaurant purists like us are kind of like mm, about this but the more I think about it, I like them for expansion and things like that. What are your thoughts on, on ghost kitchens? I mean, so I don't have a whole lot of experience running them, but from mm -hmm. the conversations I've had with people who do, they're great at a couple things, testing out items and seeing if people actually want to buy those items before mm -hmm. you add them to your menu. Cause you know, you add something to your menu and there's that there's those three people a week who order it and you're like i'm going to take i'm going to take that off the menu because three people order it and those three people are the loudest people oh my who God. talk about you not having that order anymore and complain the most and you're like yeah. damn it and i'm going to add that on cuz these yeah. people are annoying and you accidentally left on the website so now you're the asshole why would it be on the <laughs> right. website you guys don't have it yeah 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 right exactly so i, I think ghost kitchens are a great way to kind of test out new items before you incorporate them into your business so that way if they don't sell there's not those two people where you have to be like, you know what? I don't want to have this on my menu anymore, but these three people order it and I don't want to hear it from. So I'm just going to keep it on there. So that's yeah. one thing that they do well. Uh, and the other thing is like test out concepts. Like if you have a whole concept that you want to test oh, yeah. out before you open a brick and mortar and spend all this money on opening up and seeing if people come, you could literally set up a website, use the third parties to get out there and, let their marketing do the job for you to get exposure and see if people actually want that concept that you're thinking about starting. And then if they do, then you could use that into opening a brick and mortar if right. you so choose. Yeah. I, I, I think that unless I'm wrong, I think that Domino's was the first coast kitchen. I think that they nailed like back in the day. I remember being like, yeah, what do you mean that we can't go in there? Like, well, no, you can go in there to get the pizza, but you can't eat it there. Like what the hell yeah. is that? You're so right. That, we, yeah, right. We, you're 100% right on that. Domino's, when they first started, I think obviously when they first started, they were more of a regular pizzeria. But as they learned yeah. and grew, they they knew like we're going to dominate delivery. 
yeah. we're going to dominate delivery. And like you said, you can come into the restaurant, pick it up. We have no tables. Yeah. We have two seats. They're not comfortable. You're not going to want to hang out here. Yeah. But if you want something, you. exactly. We're going we're gonna to look frown upon you when you walk in. So yeah. get it delivered. You're right. <laughs> I think they, but they opened thousands of locations and they managed it really well. Oh my God. I have a buddy of mine who's a very well-established chef. And his, every time I see him, he wants to challenge me. He's like, Domino's Detroit style pizza up against <laughs> any single one. I'm like, dude, you are like, he's a pizza guy too. And yeah. he's like, we'll put a blind taste test. One, one right next to the other. You tell me he, they, he it's his go-to all the time. So I don't know if he's like drunk when he gets it every time, but <laughs> that, he sticks with it. Listen, I've heard, for, I've heard the same thing from pizza people who own really good pizza restaurants. And they're like, you know what? Sometimes I get a Costco <laughs> pizza. <laughs> Oh man, that's rough. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I question a lot of things about the virtual brands and the ghost kitchens when it comes to like, well, number one, ghost kitchens. I think that the big boys are going to, are probably going to win and they're going to take in probably the bigger guys, you know, the Chipotle's, the the other ones, the Hooters or whoever else are make, creating these, these spinoffs and they're going to dominate with marketing, right? Like yeah. they're going to, they're going to drown you out. Like if you're a pizza place and you're trying to do a ghost kitchen, you better be marking the hell out of your product on your own social channels because you're no one's scrolling down to the tenth pizza place to find pizza. Right. That's and the I problem. Think, yeah, and if you're not, and if you're trying to do it, like I get these guys saying, "I want to start my ghost kitchen." I'm like, "Okay, who's who's the head of your marketing department? Because you're about to throw a ton of money. You're gonna throw more money away than <laughs> than if you if you started a brick and mortar." I mean, do you agree with that? Do you think they have to like marketing is a big piece of this? Hundred percent. You have to be able to get exposure because if no one knows you're there, then especially if you have a ghost kitchen and they can't walk in or see you when they drive by, you have no <laughs> business at all. Yeah, you're no. literally taking away your storefront, and then yeah. like, yeah, I, I, I think once I say that, then like, oh yeah, you're right. Like, I'm not good. I just want to make pizza and ship it out. Well, how the hell is anybody going to find you? Or you're going to pay the out other, to know to be ranked up exactly. higher, right? The other thing you have to look at is like you can't determine anything off of the last year because it was an anomaly yeah. like this has never happened to us it, it did happen to us but it was way back in the 30s or the 20s with the spanish flu that's the last right. time the economy was hit by a pandemic like what happened to us in 2020 so yeah. you can't take anybody even the people who had success with their virtual or ghost kitchens in 2020 who knows if that's going to be the case in 2021 look at uh, there's already platforms like clubhouse who had huge growth yeah, because everybody was stuck at home, and then as soon as everybody was able to get out, it's like tank. Yeah, like yeah. is that going to be your ghost kitchen now that everybody can get out and go to restaurants again? Like you don't know that you you can't tell that by 2020 because it was the weirdest year in the history of years. I agree with that. I think it's you know that's that's to me. I get so pissed off in like my day to day, you know, because I get like reports in on on the restaurant industry for commercial real estate. And it's like the top fastest growing restaurants, Chick-fil-A. I'm like, hold on a second. Are we talking about restaurants or are we talking about like places to grab a fried chicken sandwich and, and a burger? I think what right. people miss, like those places will still do crush at the drive-thru. That'll be a, that's going to be their thing. It's always been their thing. It's going to be, you know, maybe it'll continue to be their thing. Who knows? But I think what people miss the most or, or they missed the most was going out and getting together with people and like hanging out in that vibe. Then they weren't going there because they were hungry. Yeah, I agree. You know, when I go to a restaurant, yeah, I go for the food and I want to go to a restaurant that has good food, obviously, but I also want to go to some place that's nice and has good, uh, a good feel to it. And you can hang out for a little while. Yeah. So in terms of, you know, let's talk about real estate for a second. So in terms of, uh, the Boston market in your area, um, are you seeing a lot of second gen opportunities? I mean, what, what was sort of like the fallout rate of what happened, uh, over there? 
for in the in the form of like commercial space yeah restaurants in particular really yeah i mean there was a lot of turnover for restaurants you know boston was boston is pretty conservative when it came to how many people could sit in there you know we opened up in early june 100% uh, but before that it was you know 25% capacity everywhere so for the whole year I don't this think it was june? just john just now yeah, just June, I think we opened up 100%. June 10th. Oh my God. It was. Before that, every, it was 75%. But everybody was outside. They had the outside, Everybody's outside, outside yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. But in Boston, it's a it's a weird market, right? It's it's effing cold here. Oh my From God. Fe- January, February, and March, I hate my life. Yeah, dude. Because you can't even go outside. It's the coldest I've ever been. The coldest yeah, I've ever it, been is in Boston. Yeah. It's freezing. so cold here. It's so cold here. And um, so it was tough for restaurants. And, you know, a lot of them didn't make it. A lot of the restaurants that, completely relied on people coming to them couldn't make it because they couldn't say, you know, even at 50% capacity, that's not enough for us to maintain profit enough to open every single day. So we might as well just close. If we're going to lose money every day, we might as well not lose money and not be open versus be open and have to deal with all the headaches and close. There was a lot of places that didn't make it, unfortunately, in the, in our market. Didn't make it like they're not reopening or just didn't make it for that season. Like how are you seeing ones that kind of shut down and reopened or the new operators in there? Did anybody no. become overly, oppor- you know, opportunistic and scoop up a bunch of spots? You know, I don't know. I don't know if I've seen a whole lot of people scoop up. I think it <clears> made <throat> people pause. I think 2020 made people who would more, be more opportunistic to take up a space pause yeah. and say, you know what? Is the restaurant industry something I want to get into? Um <laughs> But I've seen more places in the last six months close permanently, like places that were around for like 30 and 40 years close. Yeah, I kind of those those places. I'm like, all right, I get it. You guys been around for 40 years. Like you're like, screw this. We're done. We put the kids through college. We worked our ass off. We're not doing this ever again. So and I know there's a lot of those family type restaurants up, up in Boston. So I'm sure that's the case. But I would think that there would be some group, I mean, whether it's a sweet green or a Chipotle or somebody that kind of came in and, and just was opportunistic on that. But you're, you say you're not seeing that. I think it's early for us. You know, like we oh, just yeah. kind of open here. You know, I don't think we've been open for six months, 100 percent. And we're, you know, people up here are hesitant, you know, even though we're open 100 percent, I still feel like people are kind of looking over their shoulder being like, all right, we're open 100 mm. percent. Like, how's it going to go? Are we going to be open for 100 percent forever now or? Or yeah. is six months going to go by and we have to go back and roll back to 50% because winter comes and it sucks here and everybody's going to go back inside. So summer's always nice, but yeah. once September comes, I feel like people are going to be like, all right, let's get through September, October, November. And if everything's normal, okay. I feel like that'll be the end of it. It's yeah. still too early for us here. After Labor Day. Yeah. Well, just, that's yeah. a good call. Once people like that, even if you do have a little bit of like push of people who are out for the summer and they want to go out and like enjoy. And then, you know, that, that one third of people that are kind of like, okay with whatever. But yeah, I agree with you. I think after Labor Day, you're going to see where the rubber meets the road when things have to go back inside. Like if everybody, cause that now no one's going to want to put up with sitting outside <laughs> in the rain with the space heaters and all that other right. shit anymore. I think that, yeah. that, 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 that trend is over. Yeah, exactly. So we'll, we'll wait and see. I think the next six months you'll really see if we can stay this way and stay on the path we're going. I think I think you will see those people who are taking those opportunities and being like, you know what, that's a good space and it's it's cheap because we have yeah. a short memory, you know, a, oh, a couple totally. of years from now, we'll forget 2020 as much as we don't want to. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's that's that's what my cousin said that to me early on. And he's he has like a lot to say about a lot. But he he said, you know, remember after 9-11 here in New York, nothing's going to ever, no one's going to come back to New York. Nothing's going to be downtown. Now you can't get into a restaurant downtown if you try it. The financial yeah. district has never been hotter. It's like, it's it's just, you never know. And I, I think you're right. Short-term memory is definitely playing into it. 
Yeah, I'm um, always even at the grocery store, you get people creeping up and you're like, buddy, yeah. back up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There were people on their phones and they're just like walking into you. You're like, dude, come on. Yeah. Then we, then we just have this, <laughs> then we just have this lesson the last 12 months. I know. Um, so in regards to let's talk about restaurant marketing for a second. So a lot of things I liked during the pandemic, I really hope stick around, which and and one of them was, you know, like chefs kind of like doing their signature dishes or like, you know, hey, on Friday at six o'clock live on Instagram, I'm gonna make our famous penne vodka. You need these six ingredients, you know, meet me here on Instagram at six. Hey, what are your thoughts on that? Is that stuff gonna stick around? Did restaurants learn anything about their marketing here? What 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 do you think? Is it gonna be a whole new world? They're gonna start picking up their phones more often, or are we should go short term memory and go back to to what it was. I think some will, most won't. Yeah. Some will pick up their phones more often and and do what you just said and leverage TikTok and Instagram uh to get exposure. Most won't and they'll regret it because the the trend isn't going less social media. If anything, it's going more social media. I know. Um and the there was an article that I put in our email newsletter, I think it was a week or two ago about the most well-known people in the food industry right now, and well-known, I mean, not by food industry professionals, but by the average consumer, are people mm -hmm. who have created food content on TikTok. Mm. They become celebrities because oh of the God. content that they put out on, on TikTok. And if 2020 taught you anything, it's you should have a presence on social media because if the shit hits the fan, you need a way to get to consumers quickly. And if you are a brick-and-mortar restaurant, what is – if all of a sudden your door shuts and no one can walk in having people who know who you are, no matter where they are in the country gives you opportunity to sell them things, even oh, if yeah. they can't walk into your restaurant. Um, yeah. So the, we've seen that happen a ton, you know, gold belly was a, a, a company that partnered with a lot of pizzerias who did have a really large social media presence in order to get their pizzas out and pizza kits out to people all across the country. Um, so I always look at your business. You should look at your business. Social media is here to stay. It's a mm -hmm. way to get people to know who you are. And it doesn't matter where they are because your job in business, just like if you are a commercial broker, you want to you know, spread your wings a little bit and you always want to have multiple streams of income. So that way, if one shuts down, you're not out of business. Use yeah. social media that way. Get as much attention as you possibly can, regardless of where those people are. Try to figure out how do I monetize my presence on social media to sell t-shirts, to sell kits, to sell advertising space on my YouTube channel or my TikTok channel, and yeah. then also get customers. I think those are ways that you can leverage social media. And the ones who are doing that are doing fine. The ones oh, who yeah. want to just complain about it all the time. Yeah. What is that about the restaurant? I mean, the restaurant industry is, it's just, a, it's no, no. Like, you know, salespeople come to the door. No, not talking to you. No, I'm not. I'm, this is what we do. I mean, I literally had clients that were local mom and pop people that, that I don't no longer deal with them. Not because they're out of business, but just, I don't deal with them, but they, they, didn't, have, <laughs> they didn't have POS systems. Yeah. It was they're like, how do we get up and running on, on, um, you know, on Grubhub, we got to, you know, we can't do, we have to do this delivery thing. I'm like, well, what POS system do you use? They're like, we don't, we don't use a POS system. I'm like, yeah, perfect. Yeah. You're screwed. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, yeah, it's I, don't understand. I, I don't understand. I I mean, I understand where they're coming from because they have the, if it ain't broke, don't fix it mentality. Totally. totally. But that's a mentality that put a lot of businesses out of business in 2020. Yeah. They were like, 
they're so used to putting their arms around people when they come in and like say, Hey, this is how I, this is how I provide my hospitality. I don't need to do anything else. They're not realizing yeah. that, you know, reaching beyond the four walls, I think is a major piece. And then all of a sudden everybody in 2020 was like, you know what? I don't want to touch that pen. I don't <laughs> want you to put your arm around me. Yeah, Where yeah, is the online ordering? I want to take a picture of it. Yeah, like exactly. That, none of that hospitality that those people grew up giving their customers, their customers wanted anymore. Yeah, it was funny. You, you saw the same dynamic in, in real commercial real estate as they were like, you know, it was a lot of networking and cocktail parties and dinners and all that stuff. Well, then, and nobody was doing content. And then when it all went away, they were like, hey, how do you, um, how do you set up an <laughs> Instagram account? <laughs> yeah. I wanna, how do you get on LinkedIn? Um, and like, yeah, those cocktail parties aren't working out so well right now for networking, are they? And it just turns yeah. out, yeah, it's why the whole new experience. Um, very cool, man. I know you got a whole day of recording, so I know what that may uh, be like. So I don't want you to waste your voice on me. Um, what are some few final words here? How can we wrap this up? I just think people, who whoever made it through 2020, look, do what I just said. Look at your business as a way to make money in your business. Because ultimately, yeah, you like if you enjoy doing it, it's going to be a lot easier to make money than if you don't enjoy doing it. It's going to be a hassle. But if you do enjoy doing what you're doing, look at your business differently than you did before 2020. How can you monetize and sell things in your business other than just people walking in your door? Because if you yeah. can figure that out, you're going to have a heck of a lot of easier time if one of those things goes away. The thing that taught us the most in 2020 is like that – a lot of the people who had problems were those one kind of restaurants that had sit down dining or a bar and people couldn't come in and they were screwed. They're like, now what do I do? Yeah. Don't let that happen to you in the future. Try to figure out a way to leverage social media in order to get attention for your business and then sell people things, not all the time, yeah. um, but sell people things other than just the hospitality that in, they can get inside of your business. Like you said, create a show, sell yeah. t-shirts. Um, create advertising spots for other businesses in your area who want to get in front of those people who are watching your videos. There's a ton of different ways you can monetize. Yeah, I think, you know, Sean Walchef, right? He does an amazing job with that. He's like, yeah. a, he's a machine with that. He's nonstop with that. He's just everything, posting everything. He's got every, everything going at other angles. He's got people writing blog articles. I mean, yeah. he's next level. And he owns a restaurant too. So it's not like just someone who doesn't own a restaurant telling you to do all this shit like me. Yeah. Uh, it's actually somebody who owns a restaurant and is doing it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I, I always forget that. He's like, wow, I was in the restaurant last time. I'm like, holy shit, you did that too? My God. Dude. Yeah. He does a great uh, job at that. All right, Bruce. Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. You guys can find it anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Where else can they get a hold of you for anything else you got going on? Yeah, just go to smartpizzamarketing.com. You can find all our links there to the podcast if I'm on, if you're on Facebook or Twitter or whatever social platforms you think. Sweet. Thank you so much, Bruce. This your uh, like I said in the beginning, this your show was a real inspiration for me to get started. So I'm still a fan. I will always be a fan. So I appreciate you taking the time to uh share your insight with us today. Man, thank you so much for having me on. Just to be able to be a guest on your podcast has been amazing. So thank you so much for the opportunity. Awesome, bro. All right, we'll be in touch, man. Thank you so much. See ya. Later. All right, another episode in the books. That was Bruce Irving from the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. Thank you so much to Bruce for taking the time to join us. Wanted to remind you guys also that if you want to chat for free, click the link in my bio on Instagram at Kyle and Sarah, and we could talk about whatever's on your mind regarding your business, regarding the business you're thinking about. And um, yeah, free of charge. Let's just chop it up. Let's have a cup of coffee. Let's pour ourselves a drink and talk about what's going on in the world. Um, so you can do that by clicking the link in my bio on Instagram. Um, and also, please, please, please support our sponsors. 
they are two great offers uh, from Atmosphere TV, right? And from Bento Box. If you need those codes again, hit me up in my DMs on Instagram or send me an email, Kyle at four turns.com, and I'll get that to you. Uh, and last but not least, if you wouldn't mind, share the show with a friend, share with your pizza friend, share with your friend who needs some help with digital marketing, and maybe leave a review. I'm open minded. Maybe you, you didn't like something, tell me. We want to make it better. So, um, yeah, please support the sponsors. Reach out to Bruce. Reach out to me if you need anything. And uh, I'll check you guys next week. It's Labor Day weekend. Enjoy the weekend, guys. And uh, thank you so much for checking us out.